Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. You receive 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. The latest college football playoff rankings reveal there is one reason to keep an eye on them ahead of December 5th. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Wednesday and December 5th, I think I've got my days right. That's a Sunday, and that's when the playoff committee round brunch. Uh, while you're enjoying your Benedict or your French toast, they will announce the four seeds. And then in sort of an unfolding over the rest of the afternoon, I'll get some text messages saying, all right, these are the bowl assignments. And then they supposedly will have a bowl reveal show later in the day until you know how it goes. But it's not just an opinion. I mean, I say every single year, every week, when the playoff committee rankings are released during the season, that there really is no value to them. And that's not me papooing something. I mean, it's a TV show, and they're looking for ratings, so good for them. Uh, I say that that literally the committee tells us, and we start with a fresh slate next week. That means that they could start with five weeks before the, official, the, uh, before the final rankings come out. They could start two weeks. They could just have the final rankings. But they want to have a TV program and kind of give us progress, and so they wait seven or eight weeks and then give us about five Tuesdays, and then we're to championship weekend. And so that's how it goes. 
And normally, if there were three Tuesdays left, I would say occupy yourself somewhere else. But last night's rankings, there is a trend. And the top four, if you hadn't seen it, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. Georgia, Bama remain one and two. Oregon moves up a spot. Ohio State moves up a spot. Cincinnati moved up a spot. Michigan moved up a spot. That's one, two, three, four teams moving up. One spot each. Oh, Michigan State right behind them dropped four. So there you go. Michigan State falls. Everybody else slides up one. Boom, there are your rankings. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. That's the rankings. Ohio State at four. They are one of those teams, one of the four teams, that moved up one spot as a result of simply winning because that's, for instance, Cincinnati. What'd they do? They, they won. That was all they did. Um, Oregon. What'd Oregon do? They played a, a very not good Washington team. And what did Oregon do? They won. That's it. They just, they, that, that's it. So as a function of simply we played and we didn't lose and Michigan State played and did lose, all right, we're going to move up a spot. There's more to it with Ohio State. And they're the one team out of those four. They're the one team out of the top two. Ohio State is the one team out of the 130 who somewhat compete for the four playoff spots with the most opportunities remaining. And thus the most opportunity to continue to move up in the rankings. Do you want to avoid four? Well, sure. Does it matter if you're three or two? Normally not. Maybe you got a lucky jersey you want to wear. But in a scenario where Ohio State continues to have multiple opportunities to impress, and I'll get to that in just a second, And for instance, Oregon may not, Bama may not, Georgia does not. Folks, depending on what happens in Atlanta, you could have an upset in the SEC championship game and Georgia doesn't stay at one. Why? How could that happen? Ohio State currently 8-1 and means it has three regular season games left. And if they win all three, and that's what all of this is predicated on, If Ohio State wins its next three games, then it is playing in the Big Ten championship game. That's still in Indianapolis, right, Lucas Oil? Uh, And if chalk holds, it'll be against a Wisconsin team. That offense, it ain't much. Boy, that defense is salty. So if that scenario unfolds, I said Ohio State has the most opportunities remaining. What do you mean opportunities? They've got three games. Bama's got three games. Oregon's got three. Everybody got three games. What do you mean they got more opportunities than the same number of games? The three remaining regular season games Ohio State has, and potentially a game against Wisconsin or Iowa or whomever from the West, folks, Ohio State has four ranked opponents to finish the season. And if you're playing and beating four straight ranked opponents in November into December, you may not stop at number two. If there is any way for the committee to look around and go, okay, now we have all things equal. 12 and one, 12 and one, 12 and one, all of you have conference championships. At that point, things do change. Because I said two or three, Ah, maybe if you're LSU, you want to wear your white jerseys, uh, whatever. Maybe if you're Clemson and you don't care if you wear 
purple, orange, white, green, whatever, brown. But there's an advantage in not being two or three. It's called being number one so that you get the, quote, worst or most beatable playoff opponent. Ohio State's remaining regular season schedule, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan. All three of them are ranked to them in the top top, top ten, actually. Top seven. All three of them are ranked. Purdue's at 19, Michigan State 7, Michigan 6. Three games left. All three are ranked opponents. If they were to play Wisconsin, Wisconsin currently sits at 18. The Badgers would only make it to the title game if they continue to win. So that would be – and if it's not them, it would be Iowa continuing to win. So that's an insane – when you add Penn State from earlier in the season – and remember, it only counts as a ranked victory a, a, a victory against a ranked team if that team is ranked at the end of the season. If that's Penn State, they don't have another loss and just drop out completely. If that is Penn State, and somehow they can win and finish as a, another ranked win, that would bring them to five, an insane five dubs versus ranked teams potentially there is still so yeah penn state's got to win and others have to not lose but five all right well chuck you're making a big deal about that number is that something that may distinguish a program five wins against ranked teams well currently uga has two auburn at 17 and arkansas at 25 i don't believe either of them finished ranks auburn has put together a a way not even a I'm going to say a good – I was going to say a way better season than anyone was expecting. They put together just a good season. Like beyond, well, I wasn't expecting much. I want to take that out of the commentary completely. I want to look at Auburn independent of my my prediction of where they've already uh, surpassed that. Take that out completely. Auburn's just having a good season. Auburn is likely to lose to Bama. That's my opinion. If that happened, I don't think Auburn – is ranked at that point. Auburn could lose Mississippi State for all I know. I don't think they will. But they're starting to cover. In fact, they've been covering a lot better. But Auburn at 17 and Arkansas at 25. I don't, I, I don't think Arkansas finishes ranked. And so that would leave UGA at the end of the regular season if it loses in the SEC championship game. 12-1, and one, the conference title, no wins against ranked opponents. Because the SEC championship's better than any other championship. Bama, right now, it does have two as well. One of them is Auburn. But see, for Bama to stay in the mix, they have to beat Auburn, which would mean Auburn is likely unranked after that. They've got one, Ole Miss. Oregon right now, one. Ohio State, with Utah still to be dealt with at 24, but the same thing I just said about about Alabama having to beat Auburn, so that takes the value away from Auburn. It's that catch-22. We have to beat them for it to help us. If we beat them, it no longer helps us. Folks, Oregon plays the number 24 Utah Utes. They have to win for that game to help them. If they beat Utah, Utah's no longer ranked. Oregon would have exactly one win over a ranked team. Cincinnati, they have one win over a ranked team. It's Notre Dame, and the committee does not like this year's Notre Dame team that much. I don't believe. 
So, yeah, Ohio State's looking around. <laughs> Smell us. That shovel of dirt everybody had, and I've talked about going back to week two. Yeah, that shovel of dirt, everybody's still holding it. And pretty soon, you're going to be like that. It, the, the, the meme I see more than anything else, I think it's a meme. Maybe it's a gif. Homer Simpson just stepping backwards into the shrubs. Is that a meme or a gif? It's both. Okay. JPEG, perhaps. Um, that's going to be everybody with their shovel full of dirt. I'm first in line. Just backing into the shrubbery because Ohio State is like, they're done. Big Ten's going to be done because Michigan's no good. Michigan State and Penn State's not good enough. Wisconsin can't score. And so, so the whole conference is done, and that's not the case at all. In fact, right now, if you're looking to identify one team as potentially every bit as good as Georgia, totally different team, but every bit as good, it's Ohio State. more college football talk with the king of college football it's the chuck oliver show on southern sports today the quarterback gets way too much credit and way too much blame and i still believe that and so you know it's a matter of going back and making sure that that one he's playing better two the guys around him are playing better we have a better plan um and you know we execute those things more consistently auburn head coach brian harson and that is his normal stance and demeanor. It's a very uh, serious, buttoned-up, squared-away individual. I mean, it is all about crossing and dotting with him. Uh, and he's talking about his quarterback, and Bo did not have a good game on Saturday, uh, either statistically or just with if, – if you didn't even know the numbers and you just watched, you're like, yeah, there was too much of the bad backyard Bo, and I talked about that on Monday. Uh, but there are also just the turnovers, and you can't do that. Now, here is another issue. Okay, I'll call it an issue. Um, Bo, who has, if you look at the quarterbacks in the SEC who have played the most of their team's snaps, Bo has played basically all the snaps except for most of the fourth quarter against Georgia State. And there was some T.J. Finley time, I want to say, against Alabama State and Akron as well. Um, But for every meaningful snap – minus about 10 minutes or 12 or whatever it was against the Panthers, uh, it's been Bo Nix. If you look throughout the SEC, like that's similar to Will Rogers. He's basically he's had everything there. Bryce Young, he's the guy. Matt Corral has left the game a couple of times, um, but not anything extended, and it's not like he's sharing time. It's not like two years ago with uh, Rice Plumley, Max Johnson. Max Johnson really ain't leaving the field. And so we're seeing, you know, they're at the top of the, 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 the conference, like Will Levis, but he's not a very dynamic quarterback. They're about half the starters in the league, and Bo is in that category. About half the starters in the SEC, it's been them. And I don't mean they've started most games or even every game. I mean, it's like Max Johnson. Dan, how much has Max Johnson not played? Like a, a, a handful of plays in the blowout game earlier? Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is the only – and then, you know, the games that they won pretty handily yeah. at the beginning. But, yeah, that's the only other times so, I can remember Garrett Nussmeyer on the field. So, if there's a snap, it's Max Johnson and about half of the starters. Then there's guys like Emory and AR-15. There's even Stetson and JT. I mean, you go other places. South Carolina has started three quarterbacks this year. So, we got about half who have – if there's a snap, it's me. 
Bo doesn't compare well to them. And I've always said this, and it's true. Statistics are an indication. Absolutely. You can get down here. If you look at a guy and his completion percentage is, you know, 49% and he has more turnovers than, than touchdowns, I don't need to see very much more. I don't want him playing. I, I don't even care about the context. It's 2021. We're, we're supposed to be like 65% minimum, if not higher. Supposed to be like, for be a really good college quarterback, um, it's not just the, the, the ratio, three to one, four to one, 10 to one touchdowns to interceptions, um, but it's the number of touchdowns because what is a touchdown? Touchdown is a big play. And there are two ways to evaluate either the numbers or do they make plays? For a quarterback, that's why I've always said the statistics, the numbers, they have value. Absolutely, you can kind of tell what's going on. A quarterback's job is not to rack up numbers. A quarterback's job is to make plays. Like Tim Couch. Remember Tim Couch in the NFL playing for Cleveland? Go look at Tim Couch's numbers. They were fine. They never made plays. Never made plays. That's how you succeed with a quarterback. He has to make plays. Bo Nix, who has basically gone all the way for Auburn, he's completing 60% of his passes, nine touchdowns, only three interceptions, so he's three to one. God bless him. It's the basically the same thing. Will Rogers, 23 to eight. I can't have eight turnovers, but 23 to eight. The problem is it's not enough plays. How are you the starting quarterback for a good team in the SEC with good talent around you and an emphasis on creating a more pro-style passing approach? And you've got nine touchdown passes? It's not making plays. And here's the funny thing. If you said, close your eyes and give me one word, but Bo Nix, a playmaker. No, he's, you're thinking he's a runaround guy. I'm, I'm talking he ain't making plays. Not enough, not through the air. So what Brian Harson says, 100% true. There is so much context, offensive line, wide receivers not doing their jobs. All of that is true. And Bo's not making plays. So it's not on him. It's not even close to on him. But if Bo is the one who we're evaluating in this little 90 seconds, yeah, he's got to make more plays. What up, Dan? Well, Bo's just a classic story of a quarterback who the story is already baked. On the road, he sucks. At home, he's Man. good. And that's pretty much something that no matter what he does from here on out at Auburn, he's not going to be able to shake that. That it's it's nothing. Like I said, it's already cooked in. He had already been playing. He'd been playing better on the road, but Saturday against Texas A and M, that narrative swung all the way back home. Well, it's it's immediately it's convenient. It's Man. right there for people. They can say, "See, this is who he is." How funny is it, though, that with the third loss on Saturday last weekend in Lexington, Kentucky, that probably the happiest guy in the building might have been Mark Stoops? Because there were probably people when he's coming off the field, if not a whisper, a full-on, we can't lose to Tennessee, we can't lose like this, we can't lose at home, of him as soon as he gets into the tunnel. It's not a Bill O'Brien yelling back at the fan. It's him saying, hmm, it's nice that people actually finally care. Because there have been in the past where it's almost kind of like when you're a little kid and you miss a shot or you lose a game and you have that one aunt who says, oh, that's okay. First off, don't talk to me like I'm a little kid. And, yeah, I'm already mad enough because I just lost the game. He's not getting that anymore. Now he's being treated like a grown man that when you fail, it's a, hey, there's expectations here. We need to live up to those. And Mark Stoops is probably saying, oh, finally. 
Yeah, some football conversation middle of November in Lexington. That's not a normal thing. So at least the conversation is there when that round ball starts bouncing. Still talking football a little bit. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. If you were going to get a magazine subscription, I think what happens, if I recall, because I used to get, in fact, I had a subscription to Sporting News until I got an issue of Sporting News in my mailbox, and it included a letter saying, this is the last issue, here's a check for your remaining unpublished, because we're not doing this anymore. Uh, but if you still get a magazine subscription, it comes about every 30 days or so, and it'll cost you, I don't know, six, seven, eight dollars You can get 30 days of information there, LandryFootball.com with a, an annual membership. That's what I have. Uh, my time's up every April, and I can't renew fast enough when it comes up. Uh, from LandryFootball.com, it's the namesake. It is Chris Landry. Chris, how are you today? Chuck, doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Tell everybody what I get with my membership. LandryFootball.com, we break down the games and, you know, we, we, during the season, it's a lot about the games that have taken place and that are going to take place. So we take you inside the film room. We break down the games, what's happened. We give you notebooks of information every day, college and NFL that tells you what's going on uh, around the college programs, NFL programs and the different notebooks, practices and personnel moves, what have you. Everybody has their own things. College, it's recruiting, it's transfer portal, the NFL, it's free agent signings and where is OBJ going to end up, so on and so forth. So you want to stay on top of all the news. You want to get all the podcasts. You want to get all the film breakdowns. You want to get the draft, recruiting, college personnel, college game team analysis, um, and then the same with the NFL. That's what you get at LandryFootball.com. You can try it out for a month, um, just six months. Uh, you, you know, the, the best deal was for a year. Uh, it's very inexpensive. It's less than $10 a month, and it's cheaper than that if you get like a year membership or a six-month membership. All right. Uh, we have coaching uh, openings, and I talked this all week, um, especially on Tuesdays, but I was like, nope, uh, Chris is going to be with us on Wednesday, and so we'll talk that with him as well. LSU, uh, they still have an opening. Any uh, movement, any ideas, uh, anything you want to relay there? Well, yeah, they, they've certainly kind of utilized their media context to put information out. Look, I mean, the bottom line is this. Um, there are some folks that will take the job. For instance, Mel Tucker will take the job. Um, and so I, I guess to use the analogy, you know, they've, they've got them in the boat, but they're still trying to fish for maybe a couple of bigger fish. If you're going to see, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. You're probably going to see, for example, they'll let Mel know that they're going in a different direction. If they can get somebody else and he'll, take his name out of it or he'll re-up with Michigan State or reaffirm his allegiance. You know how this works. Yeah. So, you know, they've got – they're comfortable with who they can get. And the reason why they have – they've gotten their – you know, and as typical in college towns, they have their the media folks that they'll not – Scott Woodard, but it will have his underlings kind of float things out there to talk about, you know, Mel Tucker and go through his background and, you know, how he'd be a good fit, which are – all in and of itself, I think, legitimate, but it is to try to get the folks excited about him because that may end up being who they would get if they can't get um, 
you know, a couple of the other candidates that they're still trying to shoot for. So that's the latest. I still think they're trying to, to shake that heavy name and uh, Scott's working on that individually. I have, as I've mentioned on the sec football and beyond, I have talked to one candidate that is a good friend. That's a prominent head coach that, um, you know, they wanted him to at least consider it. Um, I talked with them. I was asked because of my relationship with them. We've known the guy for years and years about how valuable it might be relative to where he is to look at a place like an LSU. And he sees all of it, just, you know, timing and just not what he wants to do. I, I it was not able to have any success to in neither as LSU into getting him interested in really pursuing it. But we'll see what that is. I have no problem telling you who that is when it's the appropriate time that it's not now. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I think that's kind of where we're at with it. I think we'll know. Look, we're going to know something in the next few weeks as we're gearing down on Thanksgiving. It's the time of the year where you start to you know, hammer this stuff out. The preliminary work has been done. I will add just a yes, no, if you know, and if you want to comment on it, um, but you're an adult, you can pass. Uh, is Jimbo a legit candidate? Uh, if Jimbo wants to be, yes, he would okay. be their first choice. Um, it's really not about uh, their interests. It's about Jimbo's, you know, uh, probability and i'm just gonna leave it at that i don't want to speak for jimbo i've known him very well that that he would you know he's got a great situation at a&m and i don't think the timing or the or leaving his current situation is something he's inclined to do but i'll let him i'll let him make that decision and but uh, it is absolutely you know if he were to say yes i think that this would be wrapped up pretty quickly all right we got a couple of uh coaches in the sec i want to talk about where it's working and when we come back after the break, uh, maybe we'll go the other way. But where it's working, um, it's working in Fable. And if you want to, tell me what maybe you were thinking it would be like with Sam Pittman in, in charge. But but what is it and why is it working specifically with Sam? Well, it is better than I thought. I, I didn't know how Sam would be as a head coach. I think he's got really good at developing relationships and toughness into the program, which I think is a big part of what he is, is in his DNA. And I think one of the things we've seen, even when they had success uh, under Bob Petrino, they were very finesse oriented. I mean, they ran the football well, but, you know, under Houston, not. But uh, until that time, I thought they were really lacking on defense. I think they've upgraded on defense. I think the personnel still could use some upgrading, but I think – they match up very well on defense. He's hired good staff, and he's let them do their jobs, and they're very good. He's got an offensive coordinator that's creative, that employs the quarterback in the run game, and I think has been very successful. They're not real dynamic in the passing game, but they're functional because they get numbers in the box and then take advantages in the passing game. And they got Traylon Burks. <laughs> Traylon Burks is phenomenal. And so if you can get single matchups there, you throw it all the time, and you don't need to be particularly accurate, let him go get it. And defensively, they do a really good job. So he's put staff together well, and he's kept them together, and we'll see if that continues. I think the recruiting is good. It's going to have to kind of even take a step up, though, if this is going to be sustainable. Oh, yeah. Because you know how this is. First year, he may win last year. He wins a two, three more games than people thought. This year, maybe an extra game or two relative to the schedule than people thought. You know, A&M and Texas are big wins for him. No doubt. 
Now it's going to be, okay, now, now, Sam, what are you going to do? No, 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 now it gets tougher because finding that extra win or two is a lot harder than finding the last couple. Oh, Let's call gosh, it what yes. it is. When yeah. you can't win a game for two or three years, it's not that difficult to fix that, to get to three or four wins. I'm not minimizing what he's done. Now it gets tough. Now you're recruiting against the elite of the elite. You know that LSU will get talent, whoever they get. You know Alabama's good. A&M's doing some good things. Uh, Mississippi State, um, while talent-wise they're not overly talented, they're good. Uh, I mean, you start looking at everybody, Auburn, everybody can recruit and put good players. You're going to have to match it because you're not going to be able to consistently outcoach. And, you know, because I thought that they left wins on the table before Sam got there. And I think he's just found those. Now he's got to go and unearth more. And that's a different challenge. So like it, think it's successful. think everybody's excited. Let's see if it pays off on the recruiting trail because that's going to answer how good and what the ceiling of this program is. Yeah, he needs to move a couple of assistant coaches to set up camp in Texas and Memphis and New Orleans and Houston and, I mean, just all around to get the players. Uh, one more that I want to ask you about uh, before we break uh, where it's working, and it is Brian Harson. I said before you came on, I was like, that is a – because we played a clip of him, and I've talked to him on the phone. We've had him in person. You know, you see him on TV or wherever. As a very serious individual, um, he does not have time for a lot of uh, trifling or clutter in his life. And I know clutter is Saban's word, but um, he is a very buttoned up, straightforward guy. And it's working in Auburn, even if they're, they're going to pick up another loss or two, but it's still it's working. He's a hard nosed guy. I mean, when you know, you, you got to love a guy like that. When a, a guy that says, uh, "Let's uh, come talk with me while I'm lifting," you know, he because yeah. uh, he he's in that weight yeah. room and he likes to do a little work while he's lifting too and talk a little football. He's we talked about him in how good of a coach the guy is. Discipline, physical, running game, um, you know, scheme, but more about how you execute. They do that very well. Okay, they take what they have. What do they have? They have a Bo Nix, a guy that really struggles in the pocket under the pressure. Well, we're going to try to alleviate pressure. We're going to move the pocket. We're going to teach our receivers to work back to the quarterback and allow him to create and make plays because that's what he can do. Getting the ball out on time in the pocket, not really good what he can do. Well, we'll take what he can do. Let's augment that, and let's camouflage in mitigate the things that he can't do well and try to stay away from it. Now, against good, really good defenses like A&M, couldn't get enough of that done to be successful and couldn't run the football well enough. So I think with him, it's always has been and will be about this. It's, it's, they've got a real advantage in most games from a coaching standpoint, from a discipline standpoint. It's going to be what's going to be his high-level mark in recruiting because I think he'll get the most out of his team consistently. Maybe not every week, but I, I think, you know, styles make fights and sometimes they'll find something that just doesn't really work for them going up against it. But, again, going to recruiting, it's so important. Recruiting is the is the, the, the bloodline of everything in this league and in college football. Can he recruit at the level to where Auburn is not, nor should not be considered a developmental program? They're one that recruits well. If they can recruit to the elite level or, you know, or close to it, they can absolutely compete. And, you know, they expect to compete with Georgia, who they play every year, you know, or, or Alabama. They've got to recruit like it. And, you know, it's 
kind of like what we talked about, and I know they're collapsing at Florida, or so it seems, but we've had that conversation with them, right? So it's yeah. like the talent level has to start at a certain level because we talk about it is you can only up coach so much. And, you know, the first couple of years when you're able to do that, oh, yeah, boy, wait until he gets his players in. But then when you never get the players that match the others, then you find out that that one win you got last year is going to be one out of five or six. It's not going to be good enough. So I think long range, that's going to be Brian's mission in – I think his staff's good. I think he's got to he's got to really knock down the recruiting trees, though. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you must have known I was going to bring up Dan Mullen in Florida. When we come back from the break, Chris, we will talk uh, more recruiting, uh, but also coaches where maybe it's not working the way folks were thinking it was or should. We'll take a break. Come back more. Chris Landry next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. LandryFootball.com, that is... My number one website every morning, uh, and it should be for you as well. Get you an annual membership. Uh, it is the best economics going when you're talking about football information, and it is recruiting, it's college, it's pros, it's coaching changes, the combine, it's all of it. Chris, let's get back into this. Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, uh, and we're going to Gainesville. Um, I, I Take it wherever you want to, personal, professional. Um, I've, I've, I've heard this week that – Actually, Dan was always a really good play caller. He wasn't a great play caller. Um, I'm hearing all manner of narrative to explain why Florida is in the position they're in right now. Um, Just start with Dan Mullen and and go from there. Well, I think, you know, Dan's a good coach. It hasn't changed. He certainly has some qualities, um, I think, as a play caller and working with quarterbacks. I think he just doesn't have enough of a skill set with these quarterbacks as passers to do enough to get things done. And I think he is, uh, has been lacking a little bit in terms of his identifying um, his staff. You know, I think head coach is such a different situation and uh, get this a lot in the NFL and in the NFL, you can work it a little bit with a great play caller. If you have a football GM that can help you, that can kind of be an overseer of football and can maybe help with decisions. Uh, I know with Jeff Fisher, for example, we got him to change defensive line coaches and it spurred us on to a Super Bowl the next year because he couldn't see the forest for the trees and he was a very loyal guy and all that's admirable, but sometimes you got to make changes. The best head coaches, particularly at college where you've got complete control of your program, the, the most important thing is not defensive play call or offensive play call. It's leader. It's evaluating the coaches. I think he stayed too long with Todd Granham that should have been made last year and you can do it the right way. You can nudge him out the door a la what Nick Saban has done in the past, let guys fly out of the nest oh, yeah. well, with well, a soft landing. Won't you go get a job somewhere? And and then you bring that in. I think that that's a big problem. They're not good enough on that side of the ball. What they did uh, schematically or what they didn't do against LSU was one of the, still to this day, uh, one of the more 
amazing things I have seen or not seen. That game plan and performance was coaching malpractice. Um, but the really fact that LSU ran the same running play about 14 absolutely, times, literally absolutely. the exact same play call. Absolutely. And again, not again, it's not like, okay, you got to call something different. What have you taught that simple adjustments to be made that you just can't figure that out? And that, that is a, they're not buying in. They're not listening to the message. You're not coaching it. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Right. So that's been a part of the issue. I do think that certainly recruiting is a big part of it. Here's the other thing with Dan, some of these guys from an Eagle standpoint, they want to win where it's aesthetically pleasing and to the credit goes to the genius offensive mind and play call. You, you get me? It's like yeah. instead of, you know, it's one of the things I admire about Jimbo Fisher, offensive guy, he believes in the running game and great defense. He's a great head coach, in my opinion. For Dan to be a great head coach, for Lane Kiffin to be a great head coach, they need to understand that. It is not how they call ball plays on offense. It's how they – Steve Spurrier, great defenses. You know, oh, God. A, a lot. Fred a lot Taylor that, and Terry Jackson, my gosh. So you have to be a good head coach and be a good leader and coach coaches and know when to make moves. He's got to understand that. That The, the other thing is it, he has to be hands-on in recruiting. So here's how they do things at, at Florida. Yeah, they recruit. They – but he delegates an awful lot, and he doesn't get involved. They don't meet as much on recruiting. They don't do as much. Well, that's the message that you send. Hey, on-field coaching is more important than recruiting. You can't have that message. It's all important every day. You've got to have recruiting meetings more. You've got to have more influential people involved in recruiting. And you, as the head coach, need to, you can't look at every tape. But you have to look, for example, at all the offensive tape and not say you guys figure it out because that's that's what your responsibility is, is who you bring in. And so the emphasis or lack thereof, he's got to change. And he's let it get to the point where is it is it salvageable? It's kind of like I, don't, I hate to compare it because it's an ugly comparison. It's the best one I can find. Well, let's maybe let's use this something. A car. A car is having problems. Well, if you don't change the oil, you don't keep it up, you don't – all of a sudden it could lead to a bigger problem. And so the question is, has he ruined the motor? Is it salvageable? Can he can he fix it? Can they – that's what he's going to do. And, and not very often do you make the changes of your staff and you can flip it around quickly in one year, but it's probably what he's going to have to do. And, yes, they – the Florida programs, by and large, have let their facilities go over the years. They were the late to, late ones to the party because we don't need to do it because we got all the talent in our backyard and all the kids want to come until they don't and they go somewhere else. Now you're behind the eight ball, Florida State, Miami, and Florida. Yes, they all are. They're trying to upgrade that. That's fine. That's part of it. But it's the emphasis, and if you don't emphasize it, then it becomes an issue. That's emphasized at Alabama. It's emphasized at Georgia. It's emphasized at Ohio State, at all the great places. It's emphasized at A&M now. LSU, the, you've got to do that. And so that's what he's got to change. And he's either going to be humbled enough to do it and figure it out and become better as a head coach, or he's not. And he's going to be gone after next year. It's Or at some point when the 
program cease to show the improvement that is necessary. Before we wrap up, uh, and by the way, I hadn't thought about Terry Jackson about 20 years. I'm glad you reminded me of him. Um, <laughs> South Carolina, Shane Beamer, um, I have said that it's not going to work. Ultimately, you know, wins and losses, it's just not built for that, right? And it doesn't look like it. But give me a quick comment on Beamer because I said in the Vanderbilt game, it, they had all three timeouts left with two and a half minutes left, and that is one reason they won. That's good coaching. It gets Florida the other day. Everybody's talking about the dysfunction, and, and that's well-placed conversation with UF. Chris, they committed one penalty for five yards and didn't have any turnovers. Again, that roster is what it is, but uh, we got about a minute and a half left. Talk about Beamer and that staff. They're at least doing some of the stuff that a coach can control. Yeah, you know, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm of the belief that in kind of dealing with those folks, I, I thought I would have gone in a different direction if I were them. And, and nothing against Shane, I thought there was a, a, a better option or two for them. And I, I worry about Shane long term. I don't know that it's going to work quite as well as they hope. But I agree with you. I think they've done a good job. And, yes, the narrative was what Florida couldn't do. That was the story. That's the big issue. But to their credit, they've done a good job. Now, it also is to the point I would counteract the Vanderbilt with, what are you doing being that close to Vanderbilt? It tells you maybe where they are. And um, I think they got a long way to go. I think it's they're climbing out of a hole big time. And I just hope that at least he stabilizes things so that if he can't get it done, it's a better program yeah. for somebody else to come in. He's a good guy, but you know, I, I don't know that just the good guy, and the good feeling lasts two or three years from now oh no and it was a fight against troy and a comeback against ecu you're absolutely right about that chris uh appreciate it as always brother do it again in seven days thank you bud take care all right chris landry landryfootball.com and so you know i have said uh big picture oh no it's not gonna work there i will say that i think it's working as much as it's possible to work in 2021 that no matter how great the coaching was you weren't beating georgia that that you weren't beating texas a&m um, I, I don't think you're beating Clemson or Auburn, but I don't know that. And you're talking about a South Carolina team that is looking to go to a ball game. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.